Welcome to Clark Lane. I'm Mick Jones, director and cinematographer at Filthy Look Films, and this is a podcast where we talk about all things filmmaking. And I'm joined on today's episode by Greg Riefeld, who's got decades of experience in the film and TV production industry, just rolling through his IMDb here. He's worked on Star Wars Episode Three, Revenge of the Sith, Daybreakers, Superman Returns, and most recently uh, as locations manager on Game of Thrones. Uh, thanks for joining us, Greg. Hello, everybody. Looking through some of these movies that you've worked on, um, there's some you know pretty big scale stuff in there. So I'm I'm keen to talk more about that. But um, just sort of uh, the first, all those movies that I listed off at the start, you were in um, art department and uh, standby props. Uh, can you just give us a bit of a, a rundown on how you got started yeah. in the business? Yeah, well, uh, I did all these things in in part as part of a team, of course. Um, huge teams, especially these really big ones, and um, small playing a small cog in the wheel. But yeah, I, I, get, I got started by I was doing like rock and roll roadie type work in Sydney, and the company I was working for got uh, asked to work on the Matrix. Uh, just bring a bunch of guys. It was called Lock and Load, and uh, throw it at the at the grips and and the electrics and move all that stuff up the stairs and up the elevators and take it out onto the rooftop. And then at the end of the day or night, take it all down again, put it back in the truck. So after a couple of days of doing that, we got to know some of the equipment and some of the people. And uh, they kept asking for certain guys to come back. Like, can we have those four? And Because there was tons of us. And uh, we sort of, a few of us went to work with certain people because they kind of asked for us. And Certain people and being like the department heads on the movie. Well, Department heads, or you know, the the have the the, the the gaffer so much that the um, um, rigging gaffer or the supervisor of that location's movement and of that equipment, because there's just so many people on these big ones, you know. And once you get to know a few of the things, they don't have to tell you twice, and they can get on with their things. So they go, "Well, we like those guys. We want we, we want those guys back." And uh, we liked it too. I remember it was with a friend of mine, Pete. We kind of started in the whole thing together. And um, sort of looked and watched, we're watching sort of some scene in the Matrix in the night shoot and, uh, where the truck smashes into the into this phone box and there's cameras and lights and we get fed and, you know, it's like, we could get into this. This, is, this sounds like pretty good, pretty good. Um, <laughs> this is luxury. Something interesting. It wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, you know, all my years I've wanted to get into film, but. Um, right, so you kind yeah, of just you kind like of slid in with the road crew, and then from there you were like, "I'm in, I'm in this game, I like this." Yeah, well, just from there we got more work with that crew, and then I, you know, you get to know other people when you're standing around because you do stand around a lot, and you get to know a few of the others. And I actually knew one person who from from years ago when I was travelling in London, friend of a friend, and I met her, and she and she was in the unit department which is, I don't know what they call that in the States, like locations uh, looking after um, uh, looking after the set and the the chairs and the sort of hand around the, the afternoon tea, as you would call it, which is not tea in ceramic cups, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, your sandwiches yeah. and things. Yes. <laughs> you clean the shitters and things like this. Um, <laughs> How glamorous. Um, work, 
Yeah, looking after the trucks. Oh, it's all champagne and cocaine, darling. Don't you know about that? We're, we're, we're five um, minutes into the, the podcast and we've already like, um, we've hit the, the lofty heights of cleaning the shitters. Somebody, uh, somebody on that crew actually dropped their radio uh, into one of the shitters and... Um, uh, it wasn't me, luckily, one of the guys. What brave movie enough, was this Ruddy, bloody brave. Matrix. Matrix. They call it Matrix here, but Matrix, yes. Uh, <laughs> put their arm into a, uh, a a rubbish bag and search around. No. And they did find the radio. Yeah, I think it was pretty useless after that. I'd but, be leaving that in you know. there. Um, yeah, well, you know, the things you do to, to get a break. I don't know. So from scrubbing the council gritters on The Matrix, we've got a few years later, you've moved on to working on one of my favourite franchises, which is Star Wars, and I'm a big Star Wars fan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me me too. Filming those in Sydney, and um, you were working in the props department on that. Did you get to handle any of the the lightsabers? Yes, I did, actually. I got to handle all of them. Wow. Uh, all the old ones, which are the only ones I really care about. But, um, yeah, some guy turned up one day. I worked in the, in the, as a props runner for the props making department, which is quite interesting. If we had some more time, I could go into the interesting aspects of that department, getting a whole bunch of old things and putting them together and on a board and spraying them silver and then saying, oh, look, here's the, here's the board of a, spaceship somewhere that is interesting that. stuff um, that's 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 the stuff i want to hear so you, you, yeah you, you know in, like, in the art department you sort of you're coming up with we always see on these movies like star wars the, the pre-art and the design and it's just this fantastic stuff but of course you get you're going to get into situations on a shoot where you've got a miracle something out of out of a hat and is that what you're talking about out of out of your hat yes out your, of your ass yeah um as you wish yeah so um yeah, so that's but that's one thing. That's kind of a standby props job. So um, what's, prop job, what's the little uh, secret you can let us into on uh, what, what's the the you know the cardboard sprayed with uh, with silver paint that's turned up? Well, I mean, it's more it's more just background. I suppose it's more of a background thing that uh, it's not just throw it up there. It is it is made, but the, all these pieces are sourced from. Uh, uh, second-hand places that have toasters and kettles that don't work, <laughs> and you bring them in. That's true. And 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 a guy will come and get, uh, buy her. We'll bring them in and um, throw them on the floor, and all the, we'll all just go through them and start taking all the screws out and pulling them apart. And then you just get these little pieces of shapes, basically. Um, and you know, they could be any. It could be anything. Construction. It's it just uh, you stick them together. You tie them together. You um, glue them together and then put a pipe through there and get, you know, one of those weed sprayers and then you've got a backpack with a few little things hanging off the end of it and there's your Boba Fett backpack kind of thing. It's a bit more complicated than that, but it's pretty much how it all began, I think, back in back in the 70s when they started doing all But that's the Star fun Wars stuff. Stuff. I love those kind of stories, you know. it's um... Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where the, the lightsabers, the old lightsabers came in uh, when I got to see them, they were built out of just bits of steel and metal and things. And you could just see how real they were compared to, you know, these days where they've all been fabricated in, in vac formed and all that sort of thing. Where, you know, that's like anything. Those people from this time, they are from our times, you know. <laughs> Next thing you're going like to tell me, you, know, you, you made Queen Amidala's headpiece out of some paddle pop sticks and bubble gum. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, I, well you know, really I watched the Curiosity Show. I watched the Curiosity Show when I was young. Yeah, I did end up with Queen Amidala's carpet from her. Okay, let me rephrase that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. Okay. She had some carpet in her room, and there was a whole bunch of in her bedroom. And uh, when the, the scene was finished, uh, when the, yeah, all the scenes were finished in that part, everything got ripped up and basically thrown away. And it'd be really nice to. You can't keep the props in any of the set pieces in Star Wars because Peter, George never liked that, and and we had to smash them all up. One of my jobs was to smash up. They're destroyed. Some of the props and some. Of Destroy it with sledgehammers, with photographs and video evidence that it had been destroyed. Wow. Absolutely true. Um, and me and a bunch of other guys. As, as fun as it is to smash things up, not not from Star Wars, you know, but um, it stops from getting on eBay and that sort of thing at the time. And, uh, of course, um, yeah. I got to keep some of the carpet, which I put in my spare room, and I had it in there for years. And no one would ever know that that was for what it was from. But, uh, um, Force is strong know, with this me, carpet. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, that's right. That's right. A lot of music was made on that carpet. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was that was that was a, some fun. Some of the fun things about working on 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 that film. And I mean, the whole thing was really done on a green screen in in uh, you know, sorry to burst your bubble, everyone, but um, you know, in the studios. And I wasn't on set at all except for the very end when I got to finally. Meet George Lucas for you know five seconds and get a photo with uh, my friend Pete and I who uh, we got into the game together. So it was nice to well, to get a photo with him, even though of course he didn't smile. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> with these big sort of you know blockbuster movies, I mean the Matrix wasn't known as that at the time, so you wouldn't have known that it, that was going to be necessarily as huge as it is. But when you're coming onto Star Wars or Superman, you know that there's a brand name attached to that that's going to have a an, ex- an expectation of what it's like. So when you're working on the big stuff like that, I know you said there's a lot of people involved, but on the day-to-day management of it, is it still just like working on any kind of level of TV show or film or is there is there an added weight or expectation on that big stuff? Uh, there's too many levels. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's too many layers to, to kind of – when you're involved in it, you don't really care – that much about you would care as much for that as you would for uh, a small commercial or a small or not a commercial because you know that's just funny right but uh, for a small production or a friends thing or something you made yourself you, you just put the same amount of effort into that because it's just what you do but like you made the point about the matrix not being a big thing at the time but um say Star Wars is, so I did kind of pinch myself and go, well, I'm, you know, I'm on something that I saw in the cinema as a kid, and just to, you know, credits don't really matter that much uh, to anybody, but for me, seeing my name on, on the Star Wars is like, you know, a small, one of the billion, a billion, billion people in the world that I got to work on with, so, yeah, but, you know, amazing. I feel pretty privileged to be yeah, a part oh, of it, because it was part of my history, you know, my, part of my, you know, uh, imagination helped with everything. Yeah, so, and yeah. an interesting thing that you went on to next is a, a comic book movie in two thousand and five, Superman Returns. So this is pre the new wave of the Dark Knight and the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Iron Man and all the stuff that's come since that has absolutely 
gone ballistic. Um, yeah, it's all there is, isn't there? Yeah. It's just, it is all there is. And this is sort of like, um, sort of wedged in the middle there post, um, it's sort of not, but it's before it really like took off to the level that it is now. Um, what was that like to work on? That was filmed in Australia too. It was, it was great to see how much money can be wasted. Right. <laughs> not, not actually great, but it was like, God, you know, More there's like, a lot of money spent, let's just say. You, you, I, I did hear a bit that there was a lot of downtime or, you know, where where the shoot shoot wasn't happening for whatever reason. So that I guess yeah. you've got a yeah. lot of people waiting around being paid while the cameras aren't rolling. Yeah, well, as the saying goes, uh, well, they wank, we bank. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we had some delays on that. Um, and the, there were some pretty intense, amazing sets and amazing looking sets. Um, I mean, uh, on that show especially, the credit's got to go to these, these these concept drawing to to reality, walking onto the set. It, when you're on one of these movies, there's always a chance to sort of take notice, even in other departments, about how they work and what how, you know what they do. What, what's what's some of the big you know takeaways from? that you've learnt from some of those early movies that um, sort of put you in good stead for the rest of your career? Yeah, it's all about lighting. Yeah. When they joke about it saying it's all about lighting, it, it kind of it is. I mean, it is all about everything. It's all about the script, of course, to get things off the ground. It's all about script to make things happen, to, to, to tell the story and to keep people engaged and to make, you know, <clears throat> the next one, excuse me again, on set, it's all about lighting. I mean, if you, it's just, if people aren't engaged visually, and I mean that, I suppose, in, because we take a lot of time for lighting, and it's like, oh, lighting needs an extra 10 minutes, half an hour, whatever it is. And nobody sort of groans, but as soon as, you know, the art department needs five minutes, everybody's rolling their eyes and like, oh, what, what's wrong now? <laughs> and it yeah. sounds like a bit of a poor me story, but it's, but it's because, you know, you, you need to get that lighting. I think you need to get that lighting right to keep it watchable because people will turn away. They will turn off. They'll kind of, Subconsciously, they'll get bored in there and just say, oh, it's just kind of dull. Um, and, I mean, I know I do. If something's kind of all in the dark, I'm not – I mean, I don't mind Batman and all that sort of thing, but movies that are too much in the dark are just – I kind of want them to be over because I, oh. I want the, the sun to come up at some stage. But right. you know, as much as, it's like Blade Runner and stuff. It's like I, I get it from a different point of view, but it's sort of like, yeah, okay. But I'm. It's just might, might be just me, but maybe I, it's because you started on the Matrix, which was all in the dark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> first day. Yeah, I did. I think I did. I think I did one day on Dark City, r- running cables in Museum Station, but that was hard work. But. Uh, well, I'm going to jump forward but, uh, a bit yeah. uh, now and go, yeah. you did all of that work in Australia, but then a few years ago you moved to Europe and you uh, were locations manager for Game of Thrones, which is the biggest TV show, biggest TV series ever of all time. And um, that must have been a pretty amazing experience. Well, I personally think Seinfeld is probably the biggest TV series ever. That's from... Um my point of view, yeah. but yes, it is the biggest thing. Luckily, I, I, you make friends and you make friends in industry wherever you are, or you know. And from that, I got a very, very lucky break to get a chance to to work on this. And um, 
I, I must say thanks to you know who you are for this. Um, well, as a show, the locations are just so important in it. And it's one of those ones where it can go either way in some of these sort of fantasy things. I, when I watch Game of Thrones, I do believe it, these locations are sort of otherworldly. I, I, I'm not just like, oh, it's just, you know, a dressed up backstreet of York or something. Like I kind of do feel like it is the place. And that's a really hard thing to pull off consistently for so long. So the locations are, you know, everyone is has got their eye on them and they're, they're really well known for looking amazing. And you were... You were doing, I'm looking here. Cordoba, which is a very small, short location where, where uh, I don't know, one of the queen looks out and sees the army coming in. Where at the, at the, some, uh, I don't want to be flippant about it, but some uh, castle, I can't remember the, the name now. But um, uh, And, yeah, it was, look, an opportunity. It's incredible. But these places exist in Europe because it's Europe. Um these types of places still exist and they might have to move a few things around, take some of the signs down, um, add on some green screen or some, or some uh, constructed set pieces to go on top and accentuate these old places that may be falling down, such as, such as Italica, which is where they had the, the big Colosseum and they brought the dead fellow um, when you're, when you're augmenting an existing old, like this kind of historical places, I'm sort of surprised that you're allowed to do it. There must be so many checks and balances in place when you're like oh. adding something to something and, and you want to hang a green screen off, yeah, some old castle. Yeah, of course. They, uh, they, the amount of time that went into preparing such a location that, such as Italica, where, where I just mentioned, which was not Roman Colosseum, probably the second or third biggest uh, since the uh, outside of Rome, um, they had so much pre-work to do in there. There was uh, archae- not archaeologists, but somebody who was uh, covering ever ever so slightly the m- markings underneath there that had been drawn on the wall with you know, wax and uh, some special special coverings and she was there for weeks and weeks doing it and then they had to build all this other stuff on top of and over other stuff and um put floors down and um you know there's a construction crew worthy of building it better than most to to build stuff just to make it okay to start building our stuff on top of you know so um so yeah there has has to be a lot of time spent before and money spent um what sort of prep time is there on how long are you in there before getting that location sorted and ready before they're they're rolling well that all depends that all depends on how what 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 each place is Mm. what each place uh, entails you know some are easier than others but it's really it depends how old not how old it is but you know it's obviously you don't want to wreck anything even somebody's house but people come in and do like the Simpsons do and the light, you know the light guys smash a hole in the wall and throw a cable through it if, they, if you let them <laughs> yeah. um, you know <laughs> so classic you know there's always you're always going to get some chips and cracks no matter where so there was a nature of it there was a on the last season of Game of Thrones there was a lot of uh, funny stuff going around but apparently there was a a water bottle, a plastic water bottle left on in one of the scenes. Did you hear about that? Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. I mean, look, it's good enough to, that I watched it and I didn't even check. But I, you know, you I weren't working on that though. Let's be clear, that wasn't that wasn't uh, an let's episode. Just, let's get, yeah, that, 
that was uh, yeah, it wasn't had nothing to do with me. Being a being a props guy, I, I wouldn't try very hard not to let that happen. I mean, that's one of the things that gets really gets my burned up as a props guy. Is um, uh, people leaving their bottles and cups on set. Camera department, I'm talking to you. <laughs> but um, guilty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course you are. You got better things to worry about than, uh, than the editing department and the the, green, the um, rubbing out department. What's the one of what's um, one of the more memorable experiences on Game of Thrones that you could? I mean, was it, you were telling me once about a flooded street thing that you had to do that was insane or something? Was that on that? Oh well, it's just yeah, that same. Funnily enough, that same same location in Metallica was that it just rained one day uh, in the morning, really really hard. It's like a storm. And the whole thing just just was streaming out the front gates, you know, like up near just about up to your knees and straight out the, the gate. No one could get in, and, and this is before shooting. Uh, but it did wash away a lot of the sort of work that uh, that had been done to, to to make things safe, to you know, roll the dolly on and that sort of stuff. So, you know, bring in a bit more sand, but it's from somewhere that looks like a desert. All of a sudden, it's flooded. It's kind of incredible. It's like wow. This is really happening, you know. But that's what happens in flash floods. Um, you know, no one died or anything, but uh, it was interesting to see. And um, but, you know, those sorts of. But yeah. being on set with, uh, you know, during the rolling of a few of those scenes, how was how was that experience? They know what they're doing. Um, Runs smooth. All these actors on set at once. The whole, all the whole, all the main cast together for the first time was, was yeah, pretty interesting for them. I mean, I was. I was quite detached from it all because I had other things going on that, you know, when, when the shooting crew came in, I was somewhere else because, you know, once the location is sort of ready, then you hand it over to to whoever's looking after it and then you go to the next place sort of thing. And mm. that's what it's all about, I suppose, that side of things. I mean, that really was just one job that I did. The thing is I got what, – what that gave to me doing the location job and being so grateful for getting the chance to do it was it got me – in to in touch with the the, um, the props department in on that show, and you know, it started a dialogue with them. And I ended up with two weeks extra work in the props department, looking after some of the carts and some of the uh, the dead soldiers in the scene where they um, uh, the loot train scene. Mm. So huge, really, uh, that sort of job was a, it was a, a nice. It was very helpful to get involved in what I really do. So, um, and uh, totally grateful once again. What, so, what have you been working on recently? Anything interesting? Uh, well, yeah, here in Germany, it's been pretty interesting. There's quite a lot of work at the moment in Europe. A lot of work in Europe. Um, interesting, different, completely different sort of setup. The UK kind of has its own massive industry. Um, and a lot of work in Eastern Europe, um, um, in Germany. I've been working on German productions and um, went to Ukraine last year and shot there in the winter, which was interesting. This was this um, one of them. Was one of them a Netflix uh, series, a drama series? No, 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 no. It wasn't no Netflix things as yet, but uh, it was a movie, um, a German movie. But uh, it, it's the challenge with the. With German language I'm not so good at, but uh, most people are pretty good at English. Um, and what you do learn from working there, obviously in Ukraine and Germany and all around Germany, and I'll be going to Poland in the next week for a couple of months, 
to shoot the rest of the series, um, is that no matter where you are, everybody really speaks the same language. Um, the, the film language, I mean, like that. Yeah. When you're shooting stuff, it's they have different words for different things, but you soon realise what they are, and they have the same attitudes and and, and the same sort of let's say pecking order, but order of things because things have to have an order, otherwise you can't shoot them. You can't forget this. You can't say it doesn't matter about this, doesn't matter about that. Forget continuity. We haven't got time because you can forget it once or twice, but you're going to do it at the right time, and you can't. You can't sort of cut corners in the end because you will ultimately see it on screen. So you, the best guys know where to cut corners mm. and that it can be done, but it has to be quick and slick and um, you've got to be pretty good at it. So I, I'm always learning. I, I'll never stop learning anything from this because it's so cliched, isn't it? But um, um, but it's true. It, like I come off every the same shoot. language. Yeah. Every yeah. shoot, yeah. learning, and yeah. I don't want to stop. It's part of the what I love about it. Like, um, the, what's the, what That's is right. it you're shooting yeah. in Poland? Is it a, a series? Can you say what it is? Uh, it's it's a series for a German a, a German TV station, uh, which drama? is like basically all of Germany. It's drama, and it's I won't say the name because I kind of have to sign all this stuff. And yeah, you know, no problem. I don't know. Even say if they can say the name, but I can't. Kind of just part of the crew, but um, uh, because this podcast will go out to millions, because you know, word yeah. of mouth, my friend, and right. um, you know, but it's 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 got to do with the disaster and bird flu taking over uh, the catastrophe they call it, so catastrophe kind of series, and right. everybody's wow. kind of running running wild and getting this bird flu and sort of thing, and. Um, Sounds interesting. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff involved, but it's all it's always just like Walking Dead and all these other shows. It's about the drama of the people. It's uh, it's the vehicle. The flu is just the, it's the, the you know the zombies are just a vehicle to to carry the drama of the people, the, the characters involved, which is ultimately what everybody really wants to see. Isn't it? Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's um, that's it. That's the thing. It's always it always comes down to the micro sort of that right in their personal interactions between the characters that you get to know. And yeah. That's what keeps it going. Yeah. Look at cheer, look at cheers. Uh, you know, it, uh, let's, 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 where do we set it? We set it around a bar. Um, well, it's about the bar. Well, it's not really, is it? It's just, it's, it's you need an excuse for people to get together. You know, it's, uh, Chicago fire. It's about a fire department. It's not really, is it? You know, yeah. Grey's Anatomy. No, it's not. It's about, not about a hospital. It's about people interacting with each other. But, you know, I guess, Kind of is. <laughs> you yeah. can tell what shows my wife watches, huh? It's all the it's um, all the ba- the backdrops just sets this the broader uh, tone of the scene, and then you're in you're in the thick of it. That's what it, how it goes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I mean, that's why I like Seinfeld so much because it's not like that. It's it's about nothing. I mean, because it really is. It's just them interacting. Uh, doesn't matter where they are. So yeah, it's a lot of lot of lot of interesting stuff and a lot of big big things coming next year, this year, and to Europe, and uh, I'm just really lucky I get to be a part of it, and that the German people especially have been really accommodating to my lack of language skills and um, uh, a very uh, patient, you know, patient with it, which they're not really known for their patience in a way, 
you know, you kind of want to do it the right way. But <laughs> to get back to what I was saying, every everybody was uh, everybody wants, you know, everybody wants to do a good job. Yeah, and they they do it the same way they do it in Australia or I think in America. You know, it, it's just it, there's a, there's a certain way to do it, and everyone works pretty good together, no matter what. So mm, good to hear. It's good to hear. Yeah. That there's been a lot going on. Um, and, and you've got something interesting. It sounds really cool what you're going to head off to, to Poland to do next. And I reckon we should get you back on after that because I'm sure you'll have uh, a few more um, experiences and stories and challenges and, and stuff. But I think yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, thanks so much for being on. Do you have any social handles or anything that people want to find you on the internet? You got Instagram or Twitter? I can't get a, hand, I can't get a handle on. Uh, I can't get a handle on my my, <laughs> my life, let alone let alone social well, social life. Yeah, you, social media. If you find, but, uh, you know, I guess if you want to give me a job, then um, by all means, uh, get hold of. I don't know. Um, well, you can find uh, yeah. Greg Refield on IMDb with a Google search very easily. So um, yeah, or uh, or contact. Uh, Contact the makers of this podcast and you'll be able to find any of the information you'll be looking for. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I look, I'm not on Twitter or any of that sort of thing. Um, well, what else am I going uh, uh, WhatsApp? I don't know. It's just phone numbers. We'll just put the okay. info in the uh, in the show description. So if anyone wants to find out more, okay. or in touch. Just put an email address. It'd be nice. Yeah. Thanks. I'm well, talking to you, New York. I'd love, I'd love to come and work over there sometime. Anyway, to come over and work over there sometime. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been right. so good to catch up, mate. Um, and we've definitely got to you too, get you back on again. Uh, thanks a lot. Yeah. And uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, just at Mick Jones. And thanks again, Greg, for being on. And we'll see you on the next one. Okay. Cheers. Clark Lane is produced by Filthy Look Films. You can find us on Instagram at Filthy Look Films.